Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 21. As we continue journeying through Genesis, we're coming to an interesting chapter and an interesting few verses of Scripture. I'm uh, reminded of a story in Dr. James Dobson's book, The Strong-Wielded Child. He makes this quote, and uh, I want you to uh, listen to this. And you that who have parents, I mean, you that are parents that have at least two children, you can identify with this. If American women were asked to indicate the most irritating feature of child-rearing, I'm convinced that sibling rivalry would get their unanimous vote. Little children, and older ones too, are not content just to hate each other in private. But they attack one another like miniature warriors mobilizing their troops and probing for a weakness in the defensive line. They argue, they hit, they kick, they scream, they grab toys, they taunt, they tattle, and they sabotage the opposing force. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? I tell you what, raising two boys up in my house, I I have uh, come across a quite a few fights in between the two. What we're going to see today of sibling rivalry between two brothers. And it's amazing of how God uses things of history to illustrate spiritual things of today. And we're going to see that. We're going to see it so well put together of how God used Ishmael, the older brother, and Isaac, the younger brother, and the rivalry that they had between one another, of how it demonstrates and symbolizes of the opposing forces That's even within our own heart of the old man and of the new man. The old nature that we were born with as we were born into this world. And then you that who have been born of Christ and that Christ has come into your life. You have a new new nature in your life. And of how those two opposing natures began to battle one another. And you're going to be able to identify with that. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me. Genesis chapter 21. And really what I'd like for us to do is begin with verse 8. And we'll go through verse 12. And so with your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's precious, infallible, inerrant, holy word of God. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, 
whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Father, thank you so much for the way that you use historical events to symbolize the spiritual in our own life today. Help us, dear Lord, to understand the Word of God and to experience it in a fashion that it would be challenging, convicting, and encouraging. May the anointing and the filling of your Spirit be upon our lives as we preach and hear the Word of God. So, Lord, we're here waiting for you to speak, and we ask you, In Jesus' name, for you to bless. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's several, several truths in this passage of Scripture. But you're going to see a symbolic truth over and over through this truth that I hope that you'll be able to understand and to be able to identify with of how God has working in your life today. First of all, I want you to notice, as you begin to look at these scriptures, the sons that are in this family. Now, immediately, as we've already identified those sons, there is, of course, Ishmael, which is the son of the flesh. And then there, of course, is the son of which is known as Isaac, which is the son of the promise. Now, you remember the story. As you go back and we've looked at for several, several times of how these two brothers have come into this family. Verse 8 tells us that uh, Isaac was weaned at this particular time. Now, Jewish custom was that a child would be weaned from his mother at the age of three. So, we take it that possibly Isaac is probably around three years of age. Abraham is about 87 years old. And so, by understanding that, we began to believe that Ishmael is probably around 16 or 17. Now, we know that God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a son, a son of promise. And that this was not going to be just an ordinary son, but this was going to be a very special child. And that this child 
would be the fulfilling of the promise that God had said there in Genesis chapter 12, where he said, I will bless your seed. And where he says, I will bless those that will bless you, and I will bless those, I mean, I will curse those that will curse you. And so what God is saying here is that there is a son of promise. But we remember that Abraham and Sarah, like many of us, many times when God gives us a promise, we want God to do it immediately. And that God was not bringing about that son of promise immediately. And so what did Abraham and Sarah do? They tried to help God out. They devised a plan. They would take Hagar, one that was a helper of the home. And that there that Abraham would have a child with Hagar. And of course she did. And there that child became what we know of today as Ishmael. That was the work of the flesh. That was the workings of a man, not the workings of God. That was not God's will and God's intention in the beginning. And so, therefore, we see that there are two sons now that are in the household. And there's a rivalry that is coming up and is bestowing. Galatians chapter 4 is a very interesting chapter because the writer of Galatians comes back to this particular chapter and he takes this very verses of Scripture and he begins to help us to understand and identify the two natures that is in our own life today. The old nature... And the new nature. The old nature is symbolized by, in the scriptures, by Ishmael. The new nature is symbolized by, of course, the son of Isaac. So listen to this verse of scripture. Galatians chapter 4, verses 22 through verse 24. For it is written, that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. That, of course, was Ishmael. And he of the free woman through the promise. That, of course, was Isaac. Now, notice what he says here. Which things that are symbolic. Using that example, a historical example to teach us a spiritual lesson. But let's go on. The Bible reminds us as you begin to think about that example that we are experiencing today. God used these two brothers. He used both of these mothers, Sarah and Hagar, in a symbolic way that you and I can identify and understand the natures that we have within our heart today. So let's go back just for a moment. 
Let's look at these two brothers for a few moments. Let's think about Ishmael illustrating that old nature, that old man. Galatians chapter 4 verse 23 said, But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. Ishmael, born according to the flesh. And therefore, we remember there in that birth, in Genesis chapter 16, when Abraham and Sarah devised this method and this scheme accordingly to try to help God out. Unfortunately, as we are experiencing today, that was never God's will, never God's plan. But it symbolized that old nature, that old nature that we're living in today, that old nature that of the flesh, who seeks after the world, longs for the world, lusts for the world. It is that nature that you had before you were saved. It was that nature that you were born with. We experience that nature, of course, that sinful nature that has been inherited down through the ages all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so we were born with a fleshly nature, an old nature, a nature that we know of today that is known of sin, A nature of works. It loves the world. It longs for the world. And it wants the world to rule in our life. And so we all have that nature. Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 4 verses, or chapter 2 verse 2 and 3. Listen what he says among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, there's two terms that is mentioned in that uh, passage of scriptures I want us to look at just for a moment. He talks about the lust of the flesh. The desires of the flesh. The old nature is earthly. It's looked upon and longed for the temporal, not for the eternal. And so what he's talking here today, that old nature that we're born with. Paul talked about that nature in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 and 21. Listen to me carefully because we're going to use quite a few scriptures here today. And what he does, he gives us a list of the nature of that flesh. Listen to this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, Hatred, contention, jealousy, outburst of wrath, self-ambition, dissensions, 
heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I almost felt like I just listened to the the six o'clock news. And then he goes on to say, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things, listen to this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. Now, I don't know if you can get the scriptures any more plainer than that. This old flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so people think that they can get to heaven by other means than by the Christ. My friend, this scripture is very clear and very plain. Unless there has been a change, unless there is a new nature, unless there has a person who has been born again into the Spirit of God, he's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Just as plain, just as simple as you can possibly imagine. Paul goes a step further in Romans chapter 5, I mean chapter 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Ishmael, he was born in the flesh and he reminds me of the things of the flesh and he reminds me of that old nature that I have to deal with constantly. But go a step further. Let's look at the other brother for a moment. We've noticed that Ishmael is an illustration of the old man, but Isaac is the illustration of the new man. Once again, Galatians chapter 4, verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Isaac being born of the promise. He was a demonstration, an example of Abraham's faith. He was an illustration of eternal things. He illustrates the new man that you experience when Christ comes into your life. And so, friend, I want you to understand. Think about it for a moment. Which was born first? Ishmael. Which comes first? The old man. You're born with that nature. Which came second? It was Isaac. A son of promise. The new nature. The new man. And so therefore, when we are saved, we experience a new nature. And Christ comes into our hearts. And so what these two brothers do, They illustrate and they give us an example of the two natures that we have within our hearts today. The old nature and the spiritual nature. Does that make sense? Let's go a step further. 
Not only do I want you to notice the sons in the family, but go a step further and notice the strife that is in this family. There was a problem between the two. A problem between Ishmael and the problem between Isaac. So the first thing you immediately recognize is the conflict of these two brothers. Genesis chapter 21 verse 9 says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. The 16-year-old or 17-year-old was aggravating young Isaac. Now, can you believe that an older brother would aggravate a younger brother? The Bible says that he was making his life miserable. He was teasing him. He was picking on him. He was scoffing him, the Bible says. Every time Isaac turned around, Ishmael was harassing him. And my friend, the conflict and the strife of those two brothers reminds me of the conflict that we have today. It seems like as I try to live and allow the Spirit of God to, to, to be dominant in my life, my old nature harasses him. My old nature accuses him. My old nature picks on him, just like the older brother with the younger brother. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 29, he says, But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Even so, it is now. Every believer is mocked by the flesh. Every believer is harassed by the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The word lust means to covet. It means a desire. The flesh desires to control. The flesh desires to defile. The flesh wants to rule and to reign in your life. That's why you find yourself sometimes as you're walking along and you think, man, I'm living for the Lord. Why is the devil always on my back? It's the flesh, my friend. The flesh is harassing you, and the flesh does not want you to be spirit-filled. The flesh combats against you. I tell you exactly, give you an example. Some of you right now are not listening to me. Your mind is a thousand miles away. Now, why is that? 
It's the flesh. The flesh don't want you to hear what I'm selling you today. Because he knows it's the truth. And so therefore he combats against us constantly. And, and I hear people say, Pastor, why is it so hard to serve God? Why is it that when I, I, I thought that when I got saved that all my troubles would be over and that I would never have any more of the temptations that I have? Then it seems like that since I've got saved, it's gotten worse. Well, they're telling the truth. Because it's that old Ishmael in you that rises to the occasion and tried to defeat you. Romans chapter 7 verse 21 and following. Paul said this. He says, I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Never before have I experienced conflict like this, one says. It's because of the Ishmael. It's because of the conflict. But not only the conflict, notice the, the tremendous contrast. The contrast between these two brothers. The reason these brothers had problems is because one is spiritual and one is of the flesh. Completely contrary to one another. Completely. Isaac is the child of promise. Ishmael was the child of the flesh. Each one had different set values and priorities. Each one had different ambitions. And now they've come together. And there's a rivalry. There's a war that is taking place. That's within that home. That's within that setting. And oh, something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. Genesis chapter 21 verse 10 tells us this. Therefore she, speaking of Sarah, said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. Sounds rather cruel, doesn't it? And for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. When I first read that, I thought, my goodness, Sarah. I can't believe you're telling Abraham to cast out Hagar and Ishmael. It's not Ishmael's fault that he was born into this household. But oh, I continue to read, and God agrees with her. God agrees with her. 
It's amazing what he says. It says in verse 12 of Genesis chapter 21. It says, but God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. God has said, what Sarah has said to you, Abraham, you need to listen. And you need to do exactly what she said. Now, my friend, here again is a spiritual lesson and an illustration. Galatians chapter 4 Tells us again in verse 30. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Cast out. What does that mean? It tells me, first of all, spiritually speaking, that the flesh must be conquered. Did you realize that unless you conquer the flesh, the flesh will conquer you? And so what Sarah was doing, she was conquering, protecting that household. And so therefore, as I began to look at this passage of Scripture, it's so well put. John Phillips, a great writer, puts it well. Listen to this. He says that the old nature and its works and principles represented by Ishmael and Hagar must be forever dethroned and disposed. Must be forever. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 says... Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no provision. Cast it out. Crucify it. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Paul says, Therefore having these promises, beloved Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. My friend, I'm here to tell you, Ishmael must be driven out. The flesh has got to go. And my friend, unless you drive the flesh out, Unless you crucify it and die to the flesh, it's going to conquer you and destroy you. Sarah knew that. What an illustration. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 tells us, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Years ago, many years ago, there was a man that went to a Salvation Army meeting. 
It was sort of like a revival. He got gloriously saved. He came home all excited to his wife. And so the next night he went back to this meeting. All excited. But then he comes home and he feels rather dejected and rejected. And he's rather sad. And he, his wife asked him, says, what's wrong, honey? Says, well, everybody there has a red vest on except me. She says, well, honey, I'll make you a red vest. So she made him a red vest and he went the next day that night and once again excited about the meeting, but he comes home again rather sad. She says, what's wrong? She says, he said, well, everybody there had red vests and they had white letters on their vest. He or she could not read. But he knew that there was red letter, I mean white letters on his vest. She says, no problem. She said, I will sew letters on your vest. And so that morning she looked outside and there was a sign painter painting on a window. And so she copied exactly letter for letter of what that sign said. And she put it on his vest. He came back home the next night after wearing that vest at the meeting, all elated and excited, and says, well, honey, how did everything go? She, he said, honey, she said, everybody there at the meeting said, I had the best vest and the best writings that was there. And this is what it said. Under new management. (laughs) My friend, that's exactly what happens when Christ comes into your life. Under new management. That when Christ comes into my life, that there comes within me a new nature. I make a choice, just like I made a choice when I accepted Christ as my life. I make a choice every single day of my life. Whether I'm going to be placed under that new management, which is the Spirit of God controlling my life, crucifying the flesh, taking the flesh, nailing it to the cross... Dying, as Paul says, daily. So you see, there has to be that conquering of that flesh. But the flesh must be also crucified. Genesis chapter 21, verse 11 says, And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight. Because of his son. Born of the flesh or not. Ishmael was still Abraham's son. And Abraham loved that boy. He loved him. That was his son. He longed to have a relationship with that boy. 
But that boy had to go. I think it's interesting as you look at that verse of Scripture, the word displeasing, where it says, and the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight. That word displeasing, I I don't want you to overlook the impact of that word. That word displeasing literally means to shake violently. It means like curtains blowing in the wind. That he was so upset that his son had to leave. But Abraham had to die to his feelings. When a person gets saved, he doesn't abandon that old nature. That old nature that who have been ruling and reigning for many, many years has developed many habits within that person's life. And to ask that Ishmael to leave, that is to say, I got to give up those old habits, those old traits. But oh, I long for them. I love them. They, they, they bring such satisfaction to me. But I got to get rid of it. Just like Abraham had to get rid of Ishmael. I'm possibly talking to some people here today. There's some sins in your life that you've struggled with and struggled with and struggled with. Your entire Christian life. Why do you continue to struggle with? Because that old flesh, it brings satisfaction to you. The Bible talks about there's pleasure in sin. And it brings such satisfaction. And to get rid of it, it's so hard to do. Yet, if the Spirit is going to dominate and to rule in this house, I've got to send them away. I've got to send them away. Off goes those old habits and those old sinful gestures, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. But there is a struggle. And that's why we don't want to get rid of them. I want to ask you today. How many of you struggling with some sin? And you've done it for years. And you know what it's done? It's robbed you from the joy of your new nature. It's kept you from being the Spirit-filled believer that God has commanded and wants you to be. And you've just sort of let those old natures hang around the household.
And at convenient times, it raises its ugly head. Well, Andrew Mary made a statement one time that I thought so, so true and so important. Listen to what he says. It is the great need of the church of our day to have the crucifixion of the flesh preached and the cross of Christ restored to his place. What a powerful statement. We, we talk about the cross. And oh, I'm so grateful and thankful for the cross. But my friend, I want to remind you that the cross is not just for my salvation. The cross is for my sins that I deal with every single day. Every day. One of the greatest things you can do. Write down on a piece of paper what those sins are. And symbolically come right here to this cross and nail it to the cross. And leave it. Don't tear it off and take it back with you back to the pew. Lord Jesus, we find ourselves struggling at times simply because we have never taken the sins of the flesh and crucified it. Lord, right now, as we sit, and as the Holy Spirit is going up and down each and every row, He's whispering into the hearts of individuals. And He's speaking about those sins of the flesh. And He says, do you see them? Do you see what they're doing to you? Cast them off. Nail them to the cross. And allow the spirit of promise to rule in your life and to reign. That you might fulfill the promise that I have given to you as a believer. Oh, Holy Spirit, move among us, work in our lives at this very appointed moment. As the Spirit of God works, in just a few moments, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I challenge you today to come to the cross.
nail your sins, nail the flesh to that cross. There's some that needs to be saved, some that needs to experience that promise of eternal life by opening their heart and receiving you. Some need to be obedient by joining and being baptized and being a part of the fellowship of this church. Oh, have thy own will and way. In Jesus we pray.